Welcome to Unity of Tucson. A couple years before that, when I was living in Los Angeles, I was actually introduced to the Four Agreements for the first time. This is long before uh, I had any inkling that I was ever going to be in New Thought or become a minister or anything. And I thought, I read this book and I thought, wait, I'm creating my experience? What? Because up until that point, I'd had a very different construct of the way life was unfolding. And I'm so grateful that I can still look back on that as being an introduction to this line of philosophy. I mean, it really has shifted and changed my life tremendously. And as I have engaged in this, I have deepened more and more and more into realizing and understanding and teaching wholeness. Absolute wholeness. Because what I thought for a long time is that I was broken and that I was incomplete. And if that resonates with anybody in here, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Could you imagine? Who here feels broken? <laughs> not, when we're, not when we're here. <laughs> Right, And it's easy when we're in these places, when we have magnificent community all around telling us, gosh, you are magnificent. Look what a brilliant, brave, glorious idea in the mind of God you are expressing right here and right now. And then you go home or you walk out and you go down the street and you're, you know, about halfway, you're about, at, let me guess, it's probably going to be like Craycroft and Glen if that's the direction you go. <laughs> and you all of a sudden forget. I'm like, what did he say? I don't remember. It is easy when we're here. I'm grateful that I get to come here to work every day. It's easy to remember. But if there is any part of you that feels broken, I want you to know that fundamentally that is not true. Fundamentally, the truth of your being is absolute integral wholeness. You can be nothing other than perfection embodied and expressing. When we put our faith in those things out there, in what society is telling us or what our parents are telling us, sorry, Dad, <laughs> or what our teachers are telling us or what the government is telling us, when we put our faith in all of those things out there, it becomes very easy to forget. And so today's whole message is truly going to be around remembering who we are. We are wholeness right where we are. And as this month, the theme for February has been deepening, and this is the final Sunday of the month, it makes me think, what have I truly deepened into? What have I truly deepened into in the practice this month? Right now, what really resonates with my soul is that I'm deepening into a greater sense of my own integrity, which happens to be the today's theme in the season for nonviolence, integrity. And as we understand and know who we are, well, isn't that ultimately a path to nonviolence? Because why would there ever be violence required when we know who we are and we know who everyone else is? Why would we ever take up arms against anyone else if we truly understand who they are? 
and who we are is God. There can be nothing separate from the infinite, and the infinite is whole, it is integral, and that is who we are. If we felt we were separate, and that's the thing, it is only when we feel we are separate that the things start falling around, falling down around our ears, only in the feeling of separation. So I want us all to relax in this moment and feel the innate wholeness that we are. There's a great philosopher that, uh, boy, sometimes I find the, the, you know, I love quotes. I find these quotes, and there's this great philosopher who um, offered this idea. He said, I believe in God, but not as one thing, not as an old man in the sky. I believe that what people call God is something in all of us. I believe that what Jesus and Muhammad and Buddha and all the rest said was right. It's just that the translations have gone wrong. That philosopher is John Lennon. I know everybody's like, wow. He was quite the New Thought idealist, and I will say idealist because New Thought is born out of the the, uh, construct of idealism. I believe in God not as one thing, not as an old man in the the sky. You hear me ever say that? Um, I believe that what people call God is something in all of us. And we've deepened into that even more. We, We teach here that it is not just something in us, it is us. There can be no separation. More on that later. It's a whole new technical setup that now my notes aren't going anywhere. (laughs) It's good. I can make it work. I'm going to start that over. There we go. (laughs) Now it's working. Technology, I always say, technology is an amazing thing when it works. So, class on Wednesday was off the hook. Who's in class on Wednesday? It was off the hook, wasn't it, in the, in the conversation that we had? I asked, a very, um, I asked a very poignant question, and boy, the whole class was taken over by trying to wrestle with the answer to this question. The question I asked was this, what is consciousness? What is, we talk about consciousness all the time in this philosophy, and we have a joke Also, that if you are in class settings, and perhaps you need to take an exam of some sort, that if you answered every question in that exam with the word consciousness, you wouldn't be wrong. And then I say, don't try it in my class. (laughs) But we wrestled with this question, what is consciousness? It is this, there was, I mean, it was a substantial conversation that unfolded around this. And really what this leads me to is to ask this question, why is it important to understand what consciousness is and to truly root into our own definition of what consciousness is? Because, like I say, we talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. What we ultimately, I think, got to is consciousness is awareness, and I'm always inviting us into opening up our awareness of who we are because it is in awareness that those broken pieces can be addressed, because when we become aware of them, we can do something about them. Far too many people are walking around blind to the brokenness 
that is not their fault, because I want to be very clear, I'm not talking about blame here. You will never hear me use the word blame. You will hear me use the word responsibility. But blame and responsibility are not the same thing. Responsibility is the capacity to be able to see what has been and make appropriate choices moving forward for the best expression of our lives. That's true responsibility. And then I break it down in a way that it's actually not the root of the word. It is our responsibility, right? How do we respond in any given situation? Because here's the thing too. Those broken people out there, none of them are in here. I'm, I'm sure of it. But those broken people out there, part of what happens is if they are not healing their own brokenness, they're going to try to break you. Because hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And I don't blame them, but I invite them into deepening into love and a greater understanding of the truth of their being. The way that I do that is by choosing to understand love and the truth of my own being and living from that place. Because the great mystics of the world, the great teachers, the Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, they lived by example. They taught by example. And so if we are looking to change the world, it's not about trying to manipulate those things out there or those people out there, but by living as the example of the Christ consciousness, the infinite magnificence that we wholeheartedly are. So consciousness, what we came to, what is consciousness? Consciousness is God. There is nothing other than that. And as we open our awareness to that truth, that wholeness, life gets better. Would it be nice if life just got easier? Consciousness itself is creative. God's nature is creative. And so we are always creating. Now I want to differentiate because sometimes people say, oh, this, these New Thought churches, they talk about the, you know, dare to be creative. And they align the construct of creativity with artistic talent. And you may not be the kind of artist, you may not be a fine artist, but you are an artist. You are an artist, whether you think you are or not. But oftentimes they say, well, I can't dare be creative because I'm not artistic. You are creative just by being you, by, by existing. And so we're going to separate those two ideas right now. When I talk about creativity, I'm not talking about being artistic, although that may be an outlet for your creativity. I'm talking about the very living of life is creative. And so are you living a thoroughly creative life from the point of view of wholeness, knowing who you are? And I will dare you to be more creative in your life, to be more than you think you can be. Because oftentimes what we think we can be has, limit, has been limited by the stories we've been told and accepted as true. Break down the stories and write a new story. What a creative way to use your mind. Because nothing from the past has any bearing on who you are right now moving forward. The nature of creativity is inspiration. Do you feel inspired? That's a good answer. For the other hundred people in the room who didn't hear the one person, 
She said, yes. Are you inspired? Do you feel inspired? Inspiration literally means divine breath. Oftentimes when we do meditation practice, we invite a focus on the breathing, the, the physical experience of breathing, but also it is a representation of the infinite circulation of all that is. And as we breathe in, we breathe out, we keep ourselves in the circulation, and we live the divine breath. It is a function of the spirit inspiration, it is. It is a function of the spirit, not the intellect. And so if you are looking to shift, to be more creative, focus on the breath, be more inspired. So as we unfold in this thing called creation, we can create either from the sense of wholeness or from the sense of brokenness. And when we are creating from the consciousness of brokenness, that's the consciousness of limitation. We will, never, we will never experience anything beyond that which we have set up that confines us. Wholeness, I will hold firm in this understanding. Wholeness is dependent on self-awareness. To truly understand wholeness, it is dependent on self-awareness. Socrates said that the unexamined life is not worth living. So to examine our life means we are stepping into self-awareness. So let me ask you, are you living a life worth living? You don't have to answer that if it's not feeling good for you today. That's okay. Are you living a life that is worth living? Wholeness, integrity, it, wholeness equals integrity, which means that it can never be divided. Knowing who we are can never be Divided. We can never be out of integrity with the truth of our being, which is God. The very thing that many of us seek by walking through these doors is the thing that is doing the seeking. We come into these spiritual centers looking for something. And, and you know, usually when we're new, brand new to these, to these communities, we seek it. There's that guy up there. He might give me the answer. He might say the thing that's going to help me understand what it is out there that is, that is going to define me. You can never be defined by anything out there. Your entire definition comes from right here. We are the very thing we seek. So if there's no other message that you leave with today, it is to know that what you have been seeking by coming here is who you are, the truth of who you are, the fundamental understanding of wholeness. That's it, nothing else. Are you catching a theme here today? Now, we have different approaches to experiencing that wholeness. So I talk about people coming in here. And one of the things we talked about in class on uh, Wednesday night were different, different. well, <laughs> I started getting to this thing saying, let's not talk about hierarchy. And then we talk about a way of understanding it that is rooted in a hierarchy. So just go with me on this for a moment. So in Wednesday's class and in the metaphysics class uh, several months ago, we talked about different ways of understanding consciousness and how we might be experiencing consciousness. And so there are four 
things that I'm going to talk about that uh, Paul Hasselback has offered us, Reverend Paul Hasselback. He uh, offered consciousness understanding in, the, in this way. There's victim consciousness. Does that feel good? No. <laughs> victim consciousness. A lot of people are walking around with victim consciousness. A lot of people. And the thing about victim consciousness, which means life is happening to me. And in a victim consciousness, there's nothing, there's probably not a lot I can do about it because life is happening to me. And it feels very heavy, right? The thing about victim consciousness, if this is the point of view from which we are living life, then we will find the perpetrators to our victimization in everything we experience, whether they are perpetrating or not, we will make them our perpetrators. Victim consciousness, number one. I think, I, can, I think we can safely assume that pretty much everybody here and online who's connected here has risen above victim consciousness. They might be in victor consciousness. I'm a victor, right? I'm victorious. And that idea, that consciousness is that Life is happening by me. I am the creator of my life, right? But it's still life out there is happening, but I get to manipulate it and coerce it and control it. Well, I think with that, we've even risen above that construct. Some of us may be in what, it, what Hasselbeck calls vessel consciousness. Vessel consciousness means that life fundamentally is happening in me. Right where I am, life is happening in me. You've heard me talk a lot about this idea, right? Because as we think, so our experience unfolds. Well, if we are rooted on the inner life, then the outer life takes care of itself. But I think that perhaps the most important and the lofty goal that many are still looking to attain is the fourth level of consciousness as defined by Hasselbeck, and that is verity consciousness. Verity, meaning truth, which means that life is happening not to me, by me, or in me, but life is happening as me. Life is happening as me. And this is nothing new. You know, the joke about new thought is that it's not new at all. Meister Eckhart, who was a theologian, a Catholic theologian in the 13th and 14th century, had many wonderful things to say that are very much in alignment with new thought. This was among them. Between God and me, there is no between. We've been wrestling with this for 500 years and longer because people are terrified of exclaiming for themselves, I am God. Does that bring up some level of fear in you? Look at the belief underlying that fear because it may not be so. That fear may be completely unwarranted, but we have to dismantle what we have learned from all those things out there. We have to dismantle the victim consciousness. We have to dismantle even the victor consciousness, and we have to dismantle the vessel consciousness to arrive at verity consciousness. But we're still struggling with it. Charles Fillmore in 1930, in an unpublished talk, offered this. The time is coming when we shall speak of God in the first person, for we shall displace all separation. What he's saying is there is that the time is coming. He's putting it in the future. The time is coming 
when we shall be able to step forward and say, I am God, understand that about ourselves, and not, not, not in a way that is, that is separating ourselves from everyone else, but in a way that is deepening into the understanding that if I know who I am, that must be true for each and every person that I encounter. And we have dismantled discord in that philosophy, in that understanding. The time is coming when we shall speak of God in the first person, for we shall displace all separation. So my question is, that now is almost 100 years ago, 1930. By the way, it's 2023. It was 97 years ago. Why is it taking us so long to finally say, I am that which is. I am the wholeness. I am the integral expression of the truth of my being. I am God, and so are you. And so are you. And then I joke, there are going to be people who are going to have a hard time hearing that, right? Like at Thanksgiving, I think I even said, if you go to the Thanksgiving dinner table and you don't know who's sitting around the table and it's your whole family and maybe some extended family, you might not want to bring up the I am God conversation because some people are going to go, crazy. <laughs> but it also might be the perfect time to bring up the I am God conversation, you don't know whose lives you're going to shift by stepping forth and making the claim for yourself, knowing you, who you are. That is the wholeness factor. That's the wholeness factor. Why do we keep waiting? Why do we fear the truth of wholeness? I'm ready to be done with it. The fear, I mean, not the wholeness. Spiritual practice from the point of view, spiritual practice from the point of view of wholeness is more powerful than anything that is attempted from a belief in separation. So if you find yourself on your knees praying to God, stop it. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that that would get applause. But here's the thing. If you find yourself praying to God, stop it. Start speaking your truth as God. And see how your life changes. Is it not time that we truly, truly, truly wake up? Because awakened minds seek to advance. And they are not afraid of spiritual ideas. I trust that we are all awakened. So, the wholeness factor. What is the wholeness factor? Truly the wholeness factor is knowing we are the wholeness we seek. It's that third part of our mission statement, remember who you are. But that is also the construct of those first two statements, love only and forgive everything. When we love only, when we forgive everything, let us do that with the understanding of who we are. We are infinite wholeness. So knowing who we are is the wholeness we seek. Let us live life accordingly. That's the wholeness factor. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. <clears throat> the homework this week, and I, as I say every week, if you're new to our community, I offer homework every week because we claim to make this a practical path to engaging spirituality. The homework is how we make it practical. So the homework this week that I invite you all to work with is this. Each day, every single day, considered how this phrase might be completed. The phrase is this. Knowing who I am 
I forgive myself once and for all for. Hmm. I'll repeat the phrase. Remember, if you're on our email list, this will be in the email that goes out tomorrow. Each day consider how this phrase might be completed. Knowing who I am, I forgive myself once and for all for. See what comes up for you. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.